What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I am Rick Jordan. If this is your first time, if it's your 87th or 200th time, because we have over 200 episodes, it's good to have you and buckle up for this one because we're going to dive deep today into securities. And when I mean securities, I mean the markets, the stock markets, and ways you can grow your company. I've been talking a while now about how Reach Out, my cybersecurity company, was about to go public, and now we are public with the regulation tier two offering, which is pretty badass. And today, this amazing dude from my hometown in Chicago, right here, who is also a former U.S. Army Cavalry officer, civil rights lawyer, securities lawyer, and CPA. Uh, man, that's a lot of stuff. Joe Sakala, <laughs> welcome to the show, buddy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, too much for one lifetime. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, your bio is awesome, man. And I so look, we'll get into a lot of it, but there's so much stuff because everyone's always wondering, it's like, what do I do? And it's really cool for me to see today in age that there's a lot of younger people that are starting to ask. And I'm, when I'm saying younger, I'm talking in their 20s generally, but sometimes even down into their teens now, dude. I'm seeing people are asking, hey, how do I get into investing in something? Because it's awesome because it's not just like, <laughs> if I could just phrase it this way, an old people's thing anymore. Right. It's well, thanks to the internet. <laughs> right on. It's actually, yes. It's actually a young people's thing. It, it, it really is. The response from young Americans of all walks of life, I mean, we had a million people through our, our website a year ago uh, from one press release. And most of those people were much younger. They're thinking with building wealth, building equity, investing in markets. And, um, you know, we're kind of be, we're, we're trying to be a part of making it more accessible to that marketplace. That's, that's really a primary purpose is to democratize finance for a younger generation of people investing. That's pretty um, awesome. And plus probably get them the education behind what they're actually investing in as well, which is sometimes pretty elusive. Yeah, that, and in, in fact, that's been the, one of the primary goals is, um, we have one program called, it's a financial literacy program, which is when you say remedial, you know, to me, uh, you know, Mandarin Chinese, I would start at remedial. Okay? <laughs> um, you know, it's an entire science that most people know nothing about. So you've got to really start with the basics and give people uh, enough information to move forward. And there's so much information, there's crowdfunding and there's, you know, Kickstarter, and there's all these things that are coming at people via the internet. And really what we want to do is start educating people saying, okay, how do you, how do you go through this ecosystem? How do you go from a little tiny acorn to an oak tree? You know, congratulations, by the way, uh, you've won the, the golden prize being a public company is, you know, it's, it, it's just, it's a rarity today. Thank you. So, brother. Thank you. And our goal is to see more of you. We want to see people graduating in the school of capital markets, if you will. Um, and I guess primarily just as a start, you know, the primary goal of the Dream Exchange uh, has always been to help cultivate the most brilliant ideas. Um, you know, I've, I've been doing this close to 30 years. And what I've found is that the best ideas come from the most obscure corners of our society. Um, you know, Steve Jobs, 
uh, started in a garage. You know, th- th- these, these things are not um, unique stories. Actually, we have a guy in a, in a webcast that we did who's a major hair care supplier and never went to college. And he started the hair care supply company in the, like the sixties uh, in his garage with a bathtub. He didn't know mixing chemical. He wasn't a chemist. He just knew how to do that. You know, it's a multi-million dollar company, a hundred, hundred million plus uh, dollar company today. So we want to cultivate that. We can't lose that. That's what makes the country amazing. You know, um, crazy right now when I would, you know, I'm a cold war generation, uh, kid. I think we conquered the Soviet union with Coca-Cola and rock and roll. Um, <laughs> I love you know, it. Yeah. Right. It was ideas. We have, we have better ideas. We have cool stuff and we've got to get those people, the investment capital they need to expand. So the best ideas are always out there. The fabric of the American genius is always getting the money it needs. So we survive better. You know, it's not just a cool app, but there are people in laboratories that have, uh, you know, the next invention, the next cure, and, and we can't lose them. We, we can't lose that early stage and middle market company because to lose that, we really lose the greatness that makes a free society and a free market system work. Um, so that's the, that's the primary purpose of my 14-year journey of creating, uh, creating a stock exchange for the second time in my career. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I love that, yeah. that you've been involved in creating the exchanges and also in some of the legislation, too, from what I've seen, right, with the Mainstream Growth Act, Mainstream Growth Act? Yeah, I mean, so, uh, you know, the Mainstream Growth Act started out in 2015 as a three-page uh, securities bill. It wasn't very good. Um, and what I did, I kept visiting Washington. I met with over 200 members of the House and the Senate over the last five years to really contribute to making it into a meaningful, new, different stock exchange capital market. Yeah, designed specifically to handle the the gap. So you can go out and you can rent, raise some venture money or some seed investors or friends and family. And the, the gap between that stage of a company's life cycle and graduating to a national market exchange is enormous. So we designed a bill that allows for liquidity into those intermediate level companies. They can graduate. They, it's a stepping stone. Hmm. Um, and we researched it for years. Um, actually, there's an article if everyone wants to sleep well. Um, there's a, a white paper published in Oxford University's handbook on IPOs. It's chapter nine. Um, myself and our director of research are the authors. It's called Low Visibility Markets Acting as Stepping Stones to National Exchanges. So we need this new structure because people just don't know that that structure doesn't exist. They're, they're waiting around until a magical day when Goldman Sachs knocks on their door and says, we want to take the public and it just doesn't happen that way. Um, you know, it takes hard work and it takes a dedicated marketplace. And we've designed a brand new type of security, brand new type of stock exchange that once the bill passes, actually, so back to the bill, the bill actually went through the United States Congress in the house unanimously uh, three times in 2018. 
and the and the, and the Senate wants unanimously. <laughs> so uh, the only reason we're talking about it as a bill is uh, would have been signed into law, but they shut the government down. If everyone remembers, at the end of 2018, uh, over the the funding for the border wall. So all the bills that were attached to that year-end appropriations bill, they were kicked to the next Congress. And then we've had COVID, but the bill has been reintroduced. It's bipartisan. Uh, there's three Democrats in the House, one in, uh, three Democrats, one Republican in the House. Uh, Republican, we got bipartisan support in the Senate too. I expect it's a matter of when it will pass rather than whether it will pass. It's been vetted by Congress multiple times. And the, the marketplace really, you know, you just did an IPO and you know, there's underwriters and there's book runners and there's accountants and lawyers. And oh my God, it's a process. It is the hard work. Yeah. Right. And so the problem is when you do that first round or second or third round, and there's a lot of capital and the company could expand, but it can't really expand without more capital. That's what a public company environment does. It gets you. Mil millions and millions of dollars at your disposal. And before that happens, you, you've got a, a myriad of problems. One is, if you've issued a security, this is a little known fact, here's an educational point. When, a, when you start your small private company, it's private because you haven't registered your shares with the Securities Exchange Commission. That's the difference between private and public. Meaning that once you register shares, you now have a stock, a security available for sale to anyone. The, the securities professionals call them the, the grandmas, orphans, and widows. You can sell it to anyone. Okay. Before that, to, to sell that stock, you have to prepare enormous um, exemption documents. Okay. Private placement exemptions. There's about 18 different ones. It's a labyrinth of rules. And here's the really interesting thing. Once that investor makes his first investment, you raise your $100,500 million. They, the investor is now saddled with the exact same problem. He can't sell his shares either. They're not registered. So in order to resell the shares, what, that's the purpose behind a stock exchange yeah. in the stock market, right? buy and sell. Not only do you have to register the shares, but registration doesn't automatically entitle you to list on an exchange. So great. You've got, you've got a stock. It's public. Well, where does someone go to buy it? Well, they have to go to a broker. If it's not listed on an exchange, the broker is not easily finding all this was called the over the counter market. Yep. Yep. Easy to find those securities. And here's what's really what you touched on the importance of the transparent and truthful information, even for a registered company, over-the-counter company, is generally missing. But if you're listed on an exchange, you have to comply. You've got to tell the investors what the deal is. So the exchange environment provides an added trustworthiness, which makes the securities more saleable because they've been vetted by an exchange process. Yeah, I'm starting to put two and two together because ours is a ours is a mini IPO, you know, with the regulation mm -hmm. a, a tier two, and there's no exchange with those at first. You know, you, you <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So no, I understand. So you know, there's um. I'm comparing this a little bit to, you know, for those who are listening and follow us here, because this is a lot of good information, everybody. It's a lot of 
you know, it's high level stuff that we're really, really bringing it down to just easily and accessible information for you. Because there's in Canada, right? There's TSX, the Toronto Stock Exchange, but then there's also TSX Venture. Right. This sounds very similar to that sort of structure. Is that true? Yeah, the, the actual nomenclature in the Main Street Growth Act is venture exchanges. Nice. You're exactly right. This is my contribution to the bill. Um, we have, There's three tiers of securities in there. The lowest tier is, you, you just mentioned Regulation A, Regulation A+. Plus. Yep. Well, you can go public with those securities. Okay, uh, especially you're at the kind of the highest tier of Regulation A, but you don't have an exchange. So I fought very hard for two years. Regulation A is, in the securities laws is known as a Section 3B exemption. Section 3B stock is now eligible to be traded on a venture exchange once this law passes. So. You're a perfect example. I didn't know this was going to happen in this. It's kind of cool, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, a perfect example of a security that would then be listed on a venture exchange. And, and there's a marketplace. Um, if you want to go to Robin Hood and find your company because your broker will have access to it, you'll find the company and you can freely trade your stock on the venture exchange. Yeah. It's been an interesting process too with that too, because this is regulation a for everyone listening is uh, that's the method that reach out went my company in order to, it's an easier entry because there's less compliance that's needed. There's less reporting that's needed. It's a way for the private companies that Joe's talking about to kind of ease in to the public market space and then have some exponential growth after, at least that's the way my consulting team told me, right? (laughs) Quasi public uh, offering. It's not a real. Um, And what you're saying, I said, there's 18 exemptions. Well, this would still be considered an exemption to a full, what they call 1933 registration, 1933 act registration. You're, you're still sort of exempt from a lot of rules. Yeah, Yeah. Because look, how can you comply? One one of the main uh, complaints is, you know, for example, it could cost a million dollars a year to comply with the Sarbanes Oxley Act. Yep, right. Okay. On. Well, if you if your gross revenue is four million dollars a year, you're not going to pay that. You're by the same token, there's nothing really untrustworthy for Sarbanes Oxley to address. So we got to get you into a marketplace where a good company that's transparent, that does its proper reporting and has been vetted by a team of people at a stock exchange. Now you're freely trading. You can go to the app and find uh, your company. It'll have a listing symbol, uh, buy it. And the beauty of this is resell it. The, the key is liquidity. Okay. It, it, private company stocks are generally illiquid. You can't find buyers. You can't find buyers because you can't find a marketplace. Yeah, it's yeah. a supermarket. You can have the best tomatoes in all of the land, and if you can't get your tomatoes to a market, you just got some rotten tomatoes eventually. So we need a marketplace. That's that's stock. That's all stock exchanges are. They're an auction marketplace for good company securities. So yeah, we're we're really hitting this. I've been hitting it for years. Um, because that, that's what I did for a living. I was a, a lawyer for VCs earlier in my career. And 
the, the, the fundamental question they always ask, I love this company. I want to make this investment, especially the smaller investors. I want to make the investment. How do I get out, Joe? What's my exit? How long will I tie up my $100,000, $200,000? And the answer always was, till a big company buys it for the last 20 years. Now, you know, like I said, we're data-driven. From 2000 and before, we were averaging between 500 and as many, in some years, close to 900 IPOs a year. And 70 to 90% of those IPOs were companies that were 50 million and up. In the last 20 years, we're having like four or five a year. Yeah, yeah. They've slowed down a lot. Yep. Well, it's a volume thing. So this is a, so I was with the lawyer who founded uh, what the, comp, the world came to know as Archipelago. So Archipelago was really the premier and first company to trade stocks over the internet um, in, the, in the late 1990s. And the volume of Archipelago electronically just dwarfed the rest of the market. And by 2005, my former client, Jerry Putnam, became, they acquired the New York Stock Exchange and Jerry became chairman because a trading floor was now an antiquated thing. Every, everything had moved to an electronic environment. Yeah. So that drives, you know, if you're a business person, well, you want to make money. And if you're in the business of taking companies public, really the aftermath of the public offering, the volume of that company stock is what you're concentrating on. So a billion dollar IPO will have, you know, literally, you know, billions of dollars and millions or hundreds of millions of shares trading volume in its first year. A $50 million company is in its first year won't have as much volume as a billion dollar company has in a week. Yeah, sure. Why would you do it? Why, why would an investment bank or a stock exchange be attracted to that market? So we are approaching it that the volume of the market is in the numbers of IPOs. That's our, our business model is, I'd rather have 20,000 really good small companies on my venture exchange than, you know, we have 3,500 companies in, in the country right now that are really on the big board public companies. I'd rather have 20,000 and maybe your company won't trade all day, every day. But you've got liquidity, you've got a vetted vetting process, you've got investor protections, and you have the liquidity you need to bring in the extra capital, to put the extra systems there, to hire the extra people, to, to expand your company. And that's really, this is very detailed, actually, pleasantly. I don't necessarily get this granular, but that's really what the venture exchange marketplace will look like. Um, you know, it, it'll probably be beyond my lifetime. It's a brand new thing. It's just been invented, uh, but it's it's an idea that's got legs. This will be here for 10, 20, 30 years. It will just become a part of the fabric and you'll go, oh, you're you're doing an, an initial venture offering like you're doing reggae. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, 10 years from now, it'll be, hopefully it'll be just commonplace. You, you know, we'll be talking about how the venture markets are doing instead of what what is a venture market. <laughs> no doubt. The first, uh, that's an incredible legacy. That's, that's amazing, man. You got to be just thrilled to death that this is something that you have, a, you've had a good hand in. Yeah. I love, I love what I do. Um, it, ha it, it really has been, um, 
I mean, especially if you ask, I'm an entrepreneur, okay, at heart. Um, I, I would lecture at universities and I'd get an EMBA program and I'd say, okay, how many do you think you're an entrepreneur? And everyone would raise their hand and say, okay, how many have a day job? Okay, you're not really, you've got a side hustle. Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, and, and then this, the next question is, okay, how many of you put your payroll on your credit cards? Um, that's an entrepreneur. And I love those people. I, I love risk taking people. I love people who are hell bent for leather that they're yeah. going to succeed. And, um, you know, and my viewpoint is just never quit. You just keep plowing ahead, finding a new way. And eventually, if you can get to my marketplace, um, you know, then you can start your get your diploma in the public markets and then graduate to the, the national exchanges. Um, so that's really uh, I do. I, I love, I ho- I'm hoping that it'll be a great legacy. I, I, I'm old enough now to be actually thinking about, um, you know, my, my oldest son is going to be 30 and he's thinking about kids. So I, I look at it through that lens. I'm not actually thinking like a 25 year old entrepreneur where maybe I can hurry up and make a score and buy a big house. I'm more thinking of it. What's going to happen to my grandkids 35 years yeah. from now when I'm here to take care. And this is, I think, a wonderful thing for the country. Unanimous consent of the Congress. Just the reason I'm, and thank you for asking that. And thank you for the acknowledgement. Yeah. I, we changed the mind of 24 members of the House Financial Services Committee. So the bill originally was introduced and it was 32 to 24 Republicans, yes, Democrats, no. So I met with all of them over a two-year period. And I don't know if you know what it's like to get 56 members of Congress on either side of the aisle to all agree. I mean, they won't agree that water is wet. (laughs) (laughs) This is truth, everybody. (laughs) So because we presented it like I'm presenting it here, I'm just telling the truth and then it helps me sleep at night. This is a really good thing for everybody. Um, I'm hoping there'll be competition. I, my, my greatest fear with our venture exchange is that we'll be drinking from a fire hose. Like the, the response amongst... You're going to have a huge wave of adopters, yeah. Yep. It's huge. And you know, I'm hoping that there'll be three, four, five other exchanges. Right now, I'm only aware of two other... The NASDAQ is clearly wants yeah. to start a exchange, but they're actually shooting for a much higher tier of security than we are. So there's virtually no over that. Yeah. Uh, and there's one other small group that they're kind of kicking it around. They, they're part of an exchange group, but we need like 20 of 20. I need, I'd love to have 20 competitors. It would be fun. Um, you know, not everybody's uh, flavor is dream exchange. Great. Maybe there'll be a, a menu, you know, Baskin Robbins, there'll be, there'll be 36 flavors. Or yeah. Maybe. I'm actually a little bit sad because with my play right now, it's, I wish that this would have just completely been signed into law back in 2018. Because uh, that's yeah, you, the one question that I get all the time. It's uh, from people who don't understand the public markets, is which is the majority of Americans, and not in a bad way. It's just they think stock exchanges, NYSE, and Nasdaq. That's it. Right. Beyond that, there's no, there's nothing. There's no other type of public security. Exactly. So a question I got is like, cool. Let me know, and I'll go on a Robinhood and buy your stock. Right. 
Like that's not where this is at right now. Sorry. Here's my email, and you're you're still at kind of you know, uh, not that that's snail mail, but you're still at a point where there is no bona fide marketplace. Yeah. For those companies, and um, we literally without, have to create the market ourselves, and that's the hard work with something like this. Yep, and and it it goes right down that lane where everything is relationship driven. Yeah. Because sending an email with a, you know, an investor deck and you're talking to your broker and he's talking to three people and it becomes just a, a sheer relationship driven capital market. And if you're disenfranchised, what if you don't have those relationships? Well, you can have the best company in the world and, and not find your investor. Yeah. When we did our, the number one surveyed word for what we're doing was access that the investors don't have access to a menu of these types of investments and the, the entrepreneurial company, the early stage company, they don't have access to a menu of like-minded or strategic uh, investors. So we are the access point. That's, yeah. that's what we're giving to the market. It's incredible, man. I can't wait to see where this is going to go over the next several years. Cause I know where I went, where I came from and what I went through, because especially going through this in a pandemic, taking a company public, it, it delayed so many things, you know, and it took about two and a half years from, from start to qualification <laughs> with, with the SEC, you know, and a lot of money about, so it was about three times as long and about three times as much money to get to that point. And I guess that's what they teach you at the Wharton business school too, is like a three X rule. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to hire one person plan that it's going to take three to get the, yep. get the, um, yeah. And what's interesting you're saying about the cost of it, um, that's because there's really no standardization. So you're offering, while there's boxes to check, well, you know, did you have audited financials for so many years? Did yeah. you do X, Z? It's a checklist. But what, how standard is that? So in other words, when, um, you know, why does everyone think NYSE and NASDAQ? Well, they're the only two exchanges that actually have a license to take on new public offerings. So if you're not eligible for those two exchanges, and they have very stringent rules, yeah. the minimums are huge. So if you, if, even if you check all the boxes, the standardization, which is good for NYSE and NASDAQ, because everyone's then familiar with it. It's like, you know, you go to Starbucks to buy coffee, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. You go yeah. to NYSE or NASDAQ, you know what that product is. It's just a different company. Well, yeah. standardizing that even though you're a different company, uh, and you're in the right lane, by the way, talk about expansion areas of our of our world in security and, and electronic security is it's just there's nothing but it's gonna boom. Um, but okay, great. There's a whole industry of companies like that that an investor then can put one next to the other and say, Oh, I choose this one. It's the best. Or I choose these 10 because one of, you know, maybe five of those horses will win the race and they can choose to diversify and concentrate at the same time. I want to concentrate in uh, electronic security and cybersecurity companies, but I want to diversify and I want to take, you know, a $10,000 bet 
on five of these 10 companies instead of having to choose one and put all 50,000 into one place. Yeah. The exact same reason that for 230 years, the large capital markets have worked. We just are willing to look at the smaller guys. We're, we're interested and willing. And I think that's really what drives me most is people like you, where I love meeting those people. I, you know, I know this, I know I like to be in the room uh, where I know I'm not the smartest guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you I learn. Love, Don't you love that? I uh, like, on the contrary, I love being the dumbest person, man. It's like, yeah. how much can I learn by being in here? Well, let me get here. in the Listen to that guy. Wow, he's a genius. Uh, and pick up what he's got and carry it forward. And that's really what this whole market's about. Yeah. I, I've, and, and one congressman asked me, um, you know, so do you have success stories of the kind of companies that will be in this market? I said, I've got a couple, but that's really not what it's about. It's about all the people I haven't been able to help. You know, we had a Nobel, uh, the 2005 Nobel Prize winner for chemistry who started a company. Wow. That's confidential, but we couldn't raise money for the guy. Um, he was a little too forward thinking. I mean, he was way ahead of his time, but talk about wicked smart. I mean, he was absolutely beyond anyone I'd ever met. And I thought, I would give you my money, but you know, I'm not the cadre of investors. You know, he needed $30 million. Yeah. He'd be perfect for this market. Perfect. I would invest in just, some people say you invest in, uh, sometimes you invest in the horse, sometimes you invest in the jockey. Well, he was clearly the jockey that I would have invested in. You know? <laughs> That's so, amazing. Yeah. It, it, those are the case studies of the people we haven't helped that would be the next a broad market, free marketplace of ideas and open it up so people can invest and companies have a fighting chance. That's so awesome, man. As we start to close this out for today, and this has just been amazing information. I've enjoyed the conversation. What's the best advice you could give somebody right now, an entrepreneur who's thinking, you know what, I'm going to go public someday and the thing, and that's their big dream. And if I remember right, you know, I'm actually sort of hoping you could answer this for me, but me 10 years ago, because <laughs> you know? before I knew what I did today, what would you tell them? I mean, okay. So there's, there's two things. The first thing is a, it's a very simple and it's very philosophical, but never quit. Uh, just put, put those words on a wall somewhere and just never quit because if there weren't for bad days as an entrepreneur, there would be no days. Okay. So you just have to adopt a mindset a philosophy that says this bad day, well, I'll get through it and you'll have a winning day. And then you'll, and take the second piece of advice is take the small wins as big wins. Take the, the 400 times it didn't work and that you never quit. And the 401st time when it does work, that's a huge win and focus your attention on the, on the wins that are going to get you to the finish line because, you know, eventually you're going to be talking to, like I said, the book runner and the underwriter and the CPA and all those professionals. And if you don't have your vision that you've not quit on the purpose behind what you're doing, 
um, you know, I see great ideas. I see people who just become so discouraged. Um, and maybe that's the third piece of advice, which I've done. Um, I surround myself with people I believe in. Um, there's a great tape by uh, James Valvano, coach Jimmy V. And he, he talks about his father and how much he loved his father. And he realized after his father died, he said, well, what was it about my father? And he said, he believed in me. Um, surround yourself with people who believe in the idea and believe in you. And if they don't believe in you, don't make them wrong. Yeah. Just say, you believe in something else, go, go your way. We need true believers that are never going to quit and that are going to take the, the little wins and turn them into big ones. If you can do those three things, um, you become you, <laughs> uh, you win the prize. And then, you know, I'm looking forward to you. I actually, I'm going to follow your story now because thank you. Fact thank you. We want to see you graduate. I want more large public companies. Um, it's a great company that went public not too long ago in your space called know before. Yeah. And I know, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they started as a, was a group of guys down in Clearwater, Florida. Yeah. Um, and they did that. They just believed in themselves. They got people that, that believed in the company. They had a good purpose and they never quit. And boom, they're on the, they're, I think they're on the NASDAQ now. But sure are. I, right on. I'm actually looking forward to you being on DreamX National because we're starting a national exchange as well. So you can graduate to my national exchange. Very cool. Well. When is that going to be? Because I'll put it in my deck right now. <laughs> the national exchange uh, is... We're very far along. So I, I suspect that in about um, four or five months, it could be as many as six months, we'll actually apply for our license. Very cool. I, yeah, I expect to be open. I'm hoping to be the national exchange will be open by the end of the year or early next year. And uh, fingers crossed, everybody go and write your congressman, pass the Main Street Growth Act. Um, when that passes, um, 180 days after it's the ink, dries on the law we we expect to apply for that license so the law looks like it'll pass this fall which means that by a year from now we'll be talking about the launch of DreamX venture um and so it's within the next 18 months i i, I want to be fully operational we have 20 people now um we've got a really good uh cadre of um uh, of investors we've got our main capital group helping us and i hired the former chief architect of nasdaq who's my cto now and we're we're building a wonderful team state-of-the-art team and That's yeah awesome. so january 1st of next year i want the national exchange open and then and then we'll talk about getting you listed. beautiful i love it Joe, amazing conversation today, my man. If for nothing else, I <laughs> I was all in, man, for, for what we were talking about today. I, I love it. And go back, everyone, listen to this like three more times because there's a lot of information in here. And Joe just, un, just peeled the onion for us today. Joe, it's incredible. We can find you on LinkedIn if you look up the company page, Dream Exchange. See what, the website is dreamx.com, but yeah, perfect. just pages dream exchange we have youtube videos we have educational videos we have a social media site for people called uh dreamx connect uh where if you're looking for strategic help uh go in there put your profile in and we have a messaging board and we've got probably at least we're, we're, we're approaching over 2,000 identities in there we're trying to grow that a little bit but 
yeah, we're we're all over the place. So Google Dream Exchange and you'll find us. We're, we have a pretty nice footprint. Um, That's awesome. Joe, thanks so much for being on, man. Really enjoyed our conversation. Rick, thank you so much. I This was actually really great. I appreciate the- <laughs> You bet. Face, man.